Yeah, we met Rhonda yesterday, and uh, as David was obviously with us last year, but um, it's just what an awesome couple, and there's just a real sense of oneness. But you can really tell where the brains are, and uh, you know. <laughs> so, hello, everybody. It's it is so wonderful to be here, and your praise and worship is awesome. I love it. Um, I don't know how much David has told you last time we was here. We're in August. We would have been married thirty-five years. Yeah, we got four kids and eight grandkids, and. I'm happy to be here. He's really happy that I'm here. I mean, he usually travels without me. He's, he's with Ed most of the time. <laughs> I think I might be a little bit of upgrade for him. <laughs> no, I love Ed. <laughs> and that um, I'm actually a marriage counselor back home, a, a, a clinical therapist, and I do uh, Christian counseling. I do a lot of marriage counseling and a lot of trauma work, and it's all Christian-based, and I'm just grateful that I'm able to do it from a Christian perspective, and I can't imagine it doing it any other way. And that, um, yeah, I don't know. That's about it, I think, for now. (laughs) Thanks, Rhonda. You know, there was a time she wouldn't stand up and talk in front of anybody. Not at all. And and watch what God's done and continues to do in her life. It's just amazing. I didn't even have to introduce her. Now she had to take the microphone away from her. <laughs> That's enough, dear. <laughs> no, dear, you said too much. It's really rough that my wife is here with me for the first time because now i got to change my whole jokes and everything. <laughs> I have to behave. I have to talk nice about her. You know, all that stuff. I love when she counsels me and tries to make me better. And let's see, what else did I say? You know, just keep it between us, will you? So um, I'm just, I love you guys. I, I really do. I, I mean, I, I was so looking forward to coming here, to being with you uh, again. You just, the worship is, is wonderful. Uh the heart to know God is, is, is so deep within me and to find somebody or a group of people that want to make that, that, that journey, if you will, is really few and far between. People don't get it. They want to go to church, uh, do their little thing on Sunday and then go home and forget about God. And yet everything in my life is about God. How do you do that? You, you can't, you can't separate the two. I can't get him away from work. I can't get him out of my marriage. I can't get him out of my friends. Amen. <laughs> You're not going to do this the whole time, are you? We have 10 minutes on Saturday scheduled for you. <laughs> So uh, as I tell you always, 35 years of bliss and happiness uh, with this woman, four children later, eight grandchildren later, and then, of course, she's a counselor. Just a beautiful thing. Uh, You're married to a counselor, right? It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. 
Yes, ma'am. It's just really tough to, you know, have an argument, isn't it? It's like, why do you say it that way? Can't you just leave me alone? (laughs) No, it's not that bad. Um, Turn on thing. Okay, so last time I was here, we talked. Does anybody, who was here last time I was here? (laughs) You people came back? (laughs) All right. I don't know how to approach that. I mean, is life not well? Didn't have nothing else to do tonight? What is it? (laughs) I'm honored that you came back. Um, Does anybody remember anything I said last time? I'm serious. I want to, I want, I want, I want some feedback. Get to know God. Why, what, 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 what was it about that, that, that grabbed you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it just flows out of it. It, it really does. Um, and really, in every aspect of your life, it just flows out of knowing God. You don't perform, you just start being. And when you know him, you just necessarily act that way. You can't help yourself. I mean, really, that's what it is. You know, and I, I, you know, I tell people, look, you're going to show me who you truly are. And you're going to testify of how well you know God in the fire, in the trial, in the tribulation. I don't remember if I said this before, but it's worth saying again. Choice doesn't make the man. Choice reveals the man. Now, I didn't tell you not to make right choices, okay? Everybody, you know, we're going to do the whole exercise so that nobody walks away and said, Dave did said this, all right? So I didn't say that. But I did say this. Choice doesn't make the man. Choice reveals the man. So in the fires, the trials, the tribulations, whatever you do in life, that that twitch, that thing that you do is going to reveal what your reality of God is. It's going to reveal how well you know him. Now, I want you to understand something. That's not condemnation, okay? Because when you discover that you don't know him as well as you should, that's exactly where God wants you to be. You don't understand that that's what you were created for. You were created to get to know him so that he can conform you in his image so that you would manifest to all creation that they would see the reality of who God is. You are that weak vessel. You know, you get older, you break down, you're not Superman no more, things fall apart, stuff falls down, you know what I'm talking about? Kids drive you crazy, I used to have a lot of hair. And the reality is, it's designed to be exactly what it is because it makes you more dependent on Christ. Somebody else, what else, somebody else who was here last time, something that maybe grabbed you. Thank you for, for, for listening. <laughs> Any... Yes, yes, yes. I prayed for somebody that, that God would heal him, and I left and had to trust God that he was healed. Yes, that's exactly, you're right, I did that one. 
Now, you brought up the roar. Yes? I told you the roar, right? Yeah, okay. What else? Anything else? Anything else that, that yes, sir? Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. That 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 that's powerful. All things work for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes, right? Can I can I let you in on something? God loves you so much. He knows everything that's going to happen, and he's prepared you to walk you through everything that's going to happen. Would, can you get a hold of this reality of that love he has for you? That every one of those situations are opportunities to get to know him better. So it's not about why me, God. It's really about, okay, God. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this, God? And you know what? The things that happen in this world that are contrary to the nature of God are a result of what sin is and how it impacted us. Okay? The world gets worse because this is what a world looks like without God. When God says, okay, go ahead, do it your way. You know, your parents said that to you. You told your kids, go ahead, tell me how it works out. But that's exactly what God does for us too. The hardest job in the world is to be the prodigal parent because the prodigal parent knows what's waiting on the horizon and he yet still makes the decision to let them go and do knowing full well what the result is going to happen and then welcomes them back every time with love. That's what your father did for you. Okay, you got to go do this for a while. Let me know how it works out. And in his mercy, in his mercy, he did that. Let, let me show you something. I, 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 I want you to know God more tonight. Okay, this is what this is about. This is getting to know God more. Sorry if you're here from a formula. I don't have it. You can go home. It's going to probably bore you to death. I don't have one. But I am going to talk about who God is. So, with that being said, let's make this official. Open the Word of God. (laughs) Turn with me to Genesis. And let's go to chapter 2. <clears throat> so, up to a point in time, you've heard about... I talked to you about this last time, didn't I? What do you think? Should we do it? Yeah, do, it. do it? Okay, we're going to do it. Because <laughs> we had a nice dinner and uh, yeah. Anyway, excuse me. You've heard about the Garden of Eden 
about the fall of man, the choice of man, and everything else like this. But I, I want to tell you something. I want you to look at the Garden of Eden a little bit different tonight. Because what I think God really made it was the opening up or the illustration of showing all creation his love. That's what this story's about. Okay? So we're going to look at the Garden of Eden through the, that this story is about God, not man. Okay? We've already learned about what man. We're going to ask the questions as we read, and we're going to ask the questions, what does this tell me about you, God? All right? Are you ready? <clears throat> so, chapter 2, verse 4. This is Genesis. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made earth and heaven. And now no shrub in the field was yet in the earth, and no plant in the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Hey, that's really cool. Like, there was no rain. You know, it's just like mist, man. That's, that's bizarre. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden towards the east of Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing in the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havalah, where there's gold. And the gold of the land was good, and the bedellium or delium and the onyx and stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon or Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris or Tigris, or it just depends if you're from the United States or New Zealand. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you just do what you do with that word. It flows east to Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. So we know that God created man to do something. You were created for to do what God has you to do. And in that first instance, we, we see that the character of God is to illustrate something. The character of God is to show you, I created you to walk with me. So he gave him a task. So you have a call, you have a thing in life that God created you for to do something. Now, it, again, and I probably said this before, it may never be to stand up here and talk to everybody, but wherever you are in life, God puts you there to manifest who he is. Okay? Not to perform. There's a difference. You're there to manifest him. Whatever context that looks like. So you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Remember Rhema? Remember I talked about Rhema a little bit last time? So the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. And the Lord God commanded men, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, I want you to understand something. That is the first rule that's ever given. 
the first law that's ever given. Now I have to ask you this question. Can we agree that God knows everything? Right? So if God knows everything, does he not know what man is going to do with that rule? It's important to understand that. Because you have to go and ask the next question. God, if you knew this was going to happen, we could have avoided this whole problem. Don't plant the tree or don't tell him not to eat. Correct? Two things. Simple as it is. But yet God continues to do that thing. Here's the tree. Don't eat. Knowing full well at that time that man will go do it. Now I want you to understand something. Do you know what the power of salt is? The power of sin is, don't say it. What's the power of sin? It's what? It's who? Say that in English? No. What's the power of sin? Where does the power of sin come from? No. No. No, 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 no. Here's where it comes from. Are you ready? It comes from the law. Right? Because there is no sin until you have law. Right? Wash the windows, the Arcadia door, three-year-old walks through the house, fingerprints, slobber, jelly, whatever, all over the window. So he doesn't know any better. So then you tell that small three-year-old, don't touch the window I just washed again. (laughs) And the three-year-old has another slobbery moment (laughs) right across the window. Did you have to teach that child how to be bad? No, you did not. What did the law reveal? Sin. The rule revealed that child's propensity to do that which is contrary to God. You never have to teach a child to be bad. You end up teaching them to do the right thing. Now, here's the scary thing. When God tells you a law or a rule, be scared. Because you're about to do something wrong. You know it's true. So God gave the law to demonstrate and make sin exceedingly sinful. God desired for you to understand something. I am going to empower sin 
so that you would see it. And the only way that you'll be able to see it is when I give you the law, the rules. And so we have one instance in the beginning of time where God desired to show what the power of sin was. You see, God's all about manifesting who he is. Remember the parable about the seed and the sower and the seed falls on the ground and some produces good fruit and some produces dead fruit and some produces whatever and it doesn't grow? Do you know what's interesting about that parable? It says that the word is the seed. Do you know that the ground never changes? It just reveals what it is. You see, we keep walking around trying to change ground. You don't get to change ground. Only God changes ground. You don't get to change ground. God reveals what ground is. It takes time. It takes season. But God is in the business of revealing what we are, because in realizing what we are, we realize how much we need him. This is the greatest illustration of love that you would ever know. You know, you're a teenager, 18 years old. Mom and dad are dumb. Can't wait to get out on my own. Not going to follow another rule. And then four years later, oh my gosh, the bills. I can't believe I've got to work. I can't afford that car payment. <sighs> I miss home. <laughs> but you don't realize the value of home until you experience the darkness of the world. See what I'm saying? The character of God is to allow you to walk through the hard times that you might discover the depth of his love. Let's go on. So God gives one rule. Is this my water? Thank you. Thank you. So, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. Why did God do this? You guys need to start asking these questions. Why did God do this? You see, God don't make mistakes when we read stuff here. God, we read about this so that God takes man on a journey to discover that everything created is not good for him. He makes that journey. He sees everything out there and nothing was found good for him.
Then man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Goes through all this stuff and realizes this out of everything created, there's nothing for me. So the Lord God's, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Why does God cause Adam to fall asleep? Correct, he doesn't need his help. He's having an operation. Yeah, the anesthesia's there. No, no, that's not it. Sorry. (laughs) God causes him to fall asleep because God is taking responsibility for what's about to happen. There's no way that Adam can take credit for a woman or anything else in that context. So he puts him asleep. God could have just, you know, Grabbed a rib while he was awake, went around the corner, did what he did, brought the woman out, and be all over. But yet he causes him to fall asleep. So there's a significance to him falling asleep. God's the only one that gets credit for that. So he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in the place. The Lord God fashioned to the woman a rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Now I want you to understand something. What's the only thing in the garden that's not made out of dust? Huh? Woman. That is very significant. She's the only thing that's not made out of dust. Why are we cackling back there? You're speechless. Notice something else, too. Remember, when God creates man, we read about what? Man breathing into Adam. You don't read about God breathing into woman. Why? Why? You're close. Exactly. The Lord God fashioned woman into a woman, the rib that he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, what? This is now the bone of my bo- the bones and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. Woman and man were what? One flesh. So let me ask you this. This is something I thought about today that kind of hit me. Did man and woman, when did they become one flesh? It wasn't after sex. They were one flesh because God made them that way before that. Play with that in your head a little bit and how that affects things today. 
So they're one flesh. Okay? She's taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be become one flesh. And this man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. So in the oneness, you can see that when God had talked about oneness, there was a little bit deeper reality to what oneness was than what we think about it. In fact, I really believe this, that marriage is about or the physical manifestation of becoming one. Not only that, it's an illustration of the church becoming one with the head, Christ. So you can see that there's an absolute tie that made them one. Did you ever wonder why Eve was tempted and Adam wasn't? Now, it's important for you to listen to this. And I'm going to take you, I want, don't turn me off, ladies, because I want to bring you the full journey of what this is. Okay? So, you, trust me to take that journey? Okay. So, you have Adam and Eve, one flesh. Really, what Eve is, is the extension of who Adam is. Correct? So I asked God one day, why did Eve get tempted and Adam didn't? Let's go on. She what? Nah. You know what's funny? Let's go on. Let's read about this. It says the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, he quotes the law to her, right? In that, and what is her response? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now notice something. The things, let's see. Eve is tempted and she quotes the law. The first thing she does is quote the law. So I have a question for you. Does the flesh have the ability to obey the law? Very different answers here. So I'm just going to read the Bible to you. Galatians 5.17. We're going to mark that spot. Let's go read that. 
starting at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets his desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So what do we understand about the flesh? It's contrary to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, right? What's the cross about? When you take up the cross and follow God, what do you do? You crucify the flesh. You crucify or you take or reject or get rid of the ability to follow by your five senses, by your emotions. You lay them aside so that you're what? You're led by the Spirit because when you live by the flesh, what does that equal? Death, right? Say death for me again one more time. Death? Is it death? Is it death or death? Death? Okay, I just wondered. Sometimes I got to listen twice. So death comes when you live by the flesh. So we know that the Spirit leads you away from death. It gives you life. Now, think about this for a minute. So we walk by the Spirit, and let's walk backwards. So what do we have to know about Eve if she's part of Adam? What's different about Adam and Eve? She's flesh. She's Adam's flesh magnified. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is, oh my gosh, you know, this is not a woman bashing thing. That's why I said, take the journey with me, because there's hope in the rest of the story. Holy cow, boy, he said. Eve is Adam's flesh magnified. Now, I have another question for you. What is the only way the devil has authority in somebody's life? Through what? If they allow it. Okay. That's what I thought you said. Just took me a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I need a little box by spirit. No, that's not the answer. What is the way that the enemy has an avenue in your life? By the flesh. The only way the devil has... Do you know what Jesus said before he was crucified? He says, Satan has nothing in me. Do you know why Satan had nothing in him? Because he walked by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So think about this. So now, the difference you know about Adam and Eve is the only avenue by which Satan has to Adam is through his flesh that is magnified.
Now, ladies, hold on. I have good news. Do you know why Jesus is born to a virgin? Because what? So flesh isn't as crass as this may sound. Flesh isn't reproducing flesh. Because she becomes pregnant by what? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit resets the divine order. And that's how Christ comes to her. Now I want you to understand something. You see, Adam, when he's created, has these attributes by which the enemy has no way into his life until God magnifies the flesh. The flesh comes in, humanity falls. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, overshadows woman. She becomes pregnant and order is reset because Jesus does what? He walks by the Spirit. When you get born again, what is your task? You walk by the Spirit. You crucify the deeds of the flesh so that you can be led by the Spirit of God. Do you understand that from the beginning of time, God created this oneness so that you would understand the reality of oneness? Do you know why the devil tries to break up marriages? Because it distorts oneness. Now, that's not a knock on anybody that's had a failed marriage or trials and and tribulations in marriage. This isn't a knock, but I want you to understand something. Do you know the only way to be released from marriage is what? Death. Okay? Now, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. We're not talking about condemnation or anything else like that. But what we're trying to understand is that the character of God, when he created this oneness, he wanted you to understand this full impact of what being one really was. And so he gave you marriage so that you would live out oneness through marriage. And more importantly, he gave you the illustration in the physical so that you could learn what it means to be one with Christ. Because he's the head. And and we're the parts. You know, that's why Paul made the statement, look, you guys, don't you understand? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the context of Corinthians, when he's talking about that, he's talking about Christians being critical and judgmental of each other. And he's really saying to them, why are you chewing on each other? You are one body. You are one. So Adam created like God and God in his love, wants you to understand something. I've created woman. And in this thing, he allows us to begin the journey together to understand the depth of love. You know, 
it's funny because we always tell people that when there was no helpmate to be made, we assume that it's woman. Now, just think about this. But the fact of the matter is, when they're introduced is when both of them fall. So the helpmate was not about the fall, but it was about the understanding of oneness. He can't get that through any other way. So because we've become a culture, we've become numb to oneness. And so we start chewing on each other. And we start being critical of those who maybe aren't as far in the journey. Or we forget the fact that it's Christ who gives out the measure of grace by which somebody operates. But if you don't come to my level of grace, you are less than me. That's not Jesus. That's not the body of Christ. And you know what's funny? God isn't trying to make this world better. You got to remember, he started from perfection. He had the perfect garden, the perfect man and woman, the perfect situation. There was no having to get better from there. So the reality was, was about demonstrating his love for all creation to observe. You create this frail, weak human being and you manifest yourself to them. All creation doesn't even get this. They can't wait for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Why? Because they get to see the character of God. We become the illustration by which all creation sees a manifestation of who he is. When we begin to understand or, or God begins to show us that that greater depth of what oneness is. I, I think about being married. It's really about laying everything you are down, right? And, and, and that's not, it, and that's on both sides of the fence. It's like, okay, I, I don't have to be right. Okay, you are more important than me. Okay, your happiness is more important than me. And we've got a lot of dysfunctionalism and we've got, and we've got a lot of things, a ways to go. It's okay. But I want you to understand something. That's what marriage is about. Marriage is about learning to die. It's about learning to die that you might take up the life of Christ. That Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. I tease everybody. I said, my wife, she's a counselor. She makes them all better because there's a season for counseling and getting better, right? I said, she makes them better so I can kill them. <laughs> because there's seasons of healing and people need to get there to where they get to that point when God says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Everybody needs to learn for a time in their life that God wants to use you. But there comes a time in your life when you need to learn 
God doesn't need you. It's just part of the journey. It's part of the journey. So from the very beginning of time, the God of creation who knew what, how this was all going to work allows this plan to unfold that we might experience and appreciate the value of the light by the experience of going through the dark. It goes back to the illustration of the teenager leaving home. You don't realize what you have until it's gone. But that's human nature. That's not a knock. That's human nature. Have you ever thought about the garden that way? Let's look at a couple more things. Turn with me, John 17. I just love it that you you brought that up. It's almost like God knew what he was done talk about tonight. Jesus spoke these things, starting at verse 1. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given to him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Now, as we're reading this, think about this. We are supposed to be what? Imitators of Christ. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. They received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. Jesus is interceding and not asking for the world? (gasps) You see, that that doesn't fit our grid, does it? But the fact of the matter is when we read it, what's he praying for? He's praying for you. His disciples. His children. The children that he knew before all creation. The kids that he knows how to manifest his grace so they can be all that they're called to be and do all that he called them to do. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you've given me. For they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have, glorif- and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. 
You see, the world's trying to counterfeit oneness. If we're all in agreement, then we're one. I've been married to my wife for 35 years, and we're one. And we don't agree on a lot of things. But it's okay. Because she brings a measure of grace and a sight of Christ that I'm not. That's who she's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be her. She's not supposed to be me. That they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture will be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak to the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them their, your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I did not ask you to take them out of the world, but just to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of those alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you to walk you through every aspect of life, to comfort you, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding. Children of God, we should look completely different in the world because of the manifestation of God that comes through us, not only in our schools, in our businesses, in our churches, in our communities. Why? Because we have the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead inside of you. You are one with the body of Christ. Jesus is ahead, and we walk by the Spirit. They're the most powerful things that God's put on earth. Can we start looking like it? Can we start getting to know God in such a way that when that trial, that tribulation comes up, your immediate response is, okay, God, what do we do? How do you want to deal with that, God? And can we possibly ask that question and then let patience have its perfect work to watch him do what he said he was going to do? I saw a, a, a clip on TV today, some Christian channel, and the gal was talking about we spend our entire lives waiting, waiting in our cars, waiting in line, waiting for this, waiting for that. We do. We do a lot of waiting. We get aggravated about it. But do you know what's interesting about that? When you wait on the Lord, 
He gives you strength. You walk with him. He does what he said he was going to do. He manifests in a way. Let patience have its perfect work that you would be complete and desire nothing. Why? Because God has it handled. You see, we've lost the value of what one is. But I want you to understand something. As you continue on the journey to know God, oneness takes a whole different meaning. And you won't be satisfied until you're one with him. Questions? Come on. Let's hear him. How many of you have heard the garden preached about like that before? Yep, that's what I thought. <laughs> Questions? Women, I have this question for you. Does anybody here feel condemned, rejected, or anything by the message that I said in those things? And, and I really, really do care about that because that's, because do you know that the first time I told a pastor what God had showed me in Galatians, he told me, you cannot tell that to the church. He did. He says, because women will take it one way and abusive men will use it to their advantage. You didn't hear that from here, you guys. This was about the character of God. This is about who he does, who he is, and what he does. Questions? No. Oh, you? Yes. Oh, beautiful. You almost sound like a pastor. He's <laughs> correct. You don't have to be married to experience the oneness. So don't feel pressured one day. You know, it was interesting. I came across another scripture today as I was reading. And remember when um, they were talking about being married and the guy says, man, I don't, you know, maybe we shouldn't do it. And the, and the, and the, and the statement was, look, some are born eunuchs, some are made eunuchs by yet some man to who can hear. That's what it applies to. And what he was telling them, look, you don't have to become something else to experience the fullness of who God is. Okay. But you can observe the illustrations that are going on around you because all creation testifies of the things of God. Okay? So single people, this isn't about getting married or not getting married. You can know God the same way. It's just part of the journey. Amen? What else? Yes, sir. Yeah. What part do we play? Remember when I said, when did the two become one? Before sex or after sex? Before. Why is that important? Because it becomes the answer of what you're saying. Or, or the to the question, What's our part? Nothing. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay? Because it's really important to understand something. Are you supposed to read the Word of God? Are you supposed to pray? 
Are you supposed to do all things? Yes, those are things that come to you as natural, as children of God. Those are things that we go on discover. But let's not make it a task where it becomes a dead work. That's why I answer it that way. It's kind of a roundabout way, and I will always tell you, read the Word of God. I will always tell you, spend time with the Word of God. I just don't want to cheapen the experience for you where people are just going through a task they do every day and miss the beauty of who God is. God absolutely accomplishes it. Absolutely. He gets all the credit. You know what's interesting? The more I live, the longer I live, the more I figure out that I really don't bring anything to the table. He really gets to accomplish it in himself. Okay? Read the word. Read the word. Get to discover who God is. Spend that time with him. Journal. Do those things. But don't cheapen who God is because of our efforts. Make sense? Okay. Anything else? Yes, sir. So if you have a Jesus, what do you necessarily have to have to see the power of Jesus? Ad- adversary? Adversary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, that, that's absolutely why. Who created Satan? Did God know that Satan was going to fall? Could he have avoided this whole problem? By doing what? Squashing him immediately. But he didn't. So it is, that is an absolute great question. Because the reality is, this goes back again to when Adam, when Eve is created, he puts Adam to sleep. Who put the plan in action? God. God did. Do you think God walked out his door one day and went, oh my gosh, a third of heaven's gone. Didn't know that was going to happen. What are we going to do now? No. All powerful, all knowing God, a sovereign God has his plans, his calendar, his timing, speaks his word, and not one word that comes out of his mouth will ever fail. Not one. Next question. Okay. Now speak slow so that I understand. I'm a little slow. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's how everybody says it. Yeah, yeah. I think what becomes more important that we lose the value is the church being the body of Christ. Because he he emphasizes that to the nth degree. 
And when he emphasizes that, let me tell you something. If you don't know you're the body of Christ, you are deceived in who you are. And when you're deceived in who you are, you can't produce fruit. You can't walk in power. And you can't walk in authority. Do you understand what the problem with homosexuality and transgenderism is? is? They can't produce fruit. They can't walk in power. And they can't walk in authority. Why? Because they don't understand who they are. And so when you talk about, I, what we really need to grab a hold of is this reality of being the body of Christ. This reality of who we are so that we can be who we are. I'm not sitting around trying to be a bride. I really want to be the body, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, I take in the most literal sense, God, show me the secret things of you. And, and really, this whole thing... I didn't hear about the garden from anybody else. It literally was opening the word and asking God. And, and let me tell you something. The only reason I asked is because of who he was in me. And he put that in me. And, and I said this to you last time. Don't rest on your laurels of what you learned about God last year. Tell me what he's told you about himself yesterday. Because understand something, who's the bread from heaven? Jesus. And the Old Testament, guess what? They weren't allowed to eat from the bread of heaven forever. It had to be gathered up one day at a time, the tribes of Israel. New manna. And so really, this journey is, is about spending that time with God. You know, it's funny. I was, you know, sometimes I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning awake and i'm like okay god i guess you want to hang out and i go out in the room and i grab my bible and i read because you know why the word of god says those that wait upon the lord shall mount with wings as eagles they shall run and not grow weary they shall walk when not faint so god if i get up and hang out with you then i necessarily will have strength to do the things that i need to do because you said it okay let's hang out That, 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 that's the purest sense of how I believe it. If God said it, then there's no question to ask it. Because I told you before, you will manifest your reality of who God is. So I go hang out with God. So I just hang out with him. And I say, and, and you know what's funny? I'm ready for the next thing. God, show me the next thing. Show me the next thing that you're going to do. Do you know what God showed me last week? I'll tell you what God showed me. I was in a church that's, um, and they were talking about Adam and Eve, and of course, I've got this other revelation and whatever they were talking. I wasn't listening. But anyway, it wasn't about listening. It was about what reading the Word of God. My wife's tapping me on the shoulder like I'm not paying attention. I really wasn't paying attention because I was reading the Word of God because God began to show me something. And God was showing me that when he talks about, he tells Eve, he said, because you did this, your birth pangs are going to be magnified, 
And you know, you're going to have trouble and your heart is going to be towards your husband, if you will. And I could go into that a little bit more, but you know what the Lord says to me? He says, all God did wasn't necessarily promoting judgment as much as he was revealing to her what her action had caused. So if the conversation could be like this, it'd be like, Eve, listen, you ate of the fruit. Here's what's going to happen. Your childbirth's going to be a lot worse, man. And, you know, you're probably going to be struggling with this identity between you and your husband. All he did is reveal to her what her actions cost. Do you see the difference? So you don't get this idea, because remember, God's not surprised. It's not like God has to be mad about something he doesn't know about, you know? I mean, we get mad about things we don't know about, but God, he he knew what was happening. So all he's doing is revealing to her, here's the consequences of what happened. Sorry, you got to walk through this now. This is what we got to do. This is what it looks like. Do you ever look at it that way? Because this story's about God and a loving God right there in that instance looked at her and said, okay, here's what's coming. That's all. Question. Well, guys, I don't know what time I keep supposed to go to. But the look on my wife's face says, it's till now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share tonight. Can we pray? Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. And our desire is to know you more, God, just so that we can manifest to all creation who you are. Oh, the task is difficult. In fact, it's so hard we can't do it, God. But grant us the grace to do it. Grant us the grace to take up our cross daily and follow you so that you are lifted up. That things seen and unseen would see the manifest love and power of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you very much.